0: Welcome to the Nonprofit Hero Factory, a weekly live video broadcast and podcast where we'll be helping nonprofit leaders and innovators create more heroes for their cause and a better world for all of us. Da-ding!
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. Today is one of my favorite topics uh, of late. I've been studying it a bunch lately. I think it's got so much possibility for good and for humanity as a whole, whether it's going to nonprofits or ways that it can revolutionize the way that we do so many things, including finances. It is the subject of cryptocurrency and on a broader level, the blockchain technology. And I was very excited to get the the co-founder and I believe CEO. He could correct me if I'm wrong of the Giving Block, Alex Wilson, to come on the show. Alex is a uh, was formerly a management consultant where he worked with Fortune 500 companies to develop strategies around emerging tech like. AI, IoT, blockchain, and cryptocurrency. As he went down the cryptocurrency rabbit hole, as I'm doing right now, he began investing in and advising early stage cryptocurrency startups. Now he's turned his attention to the nonprofit world where he equips nonprofits to accept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency donations with the giving block. Founded in 2018, The Giving Block is the leading crypto philanthropy platform, making cryptocurrency fundraising easy for nonprofits, while empowering donors to give Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies to their favorite causes. When I asked Alex what his superpower is, he quite simply said it's helping nonprofits fundraise crypto. Let's bring him onto the show to talk to us about that and why it's so important. Hey, Alex. Hey, Boris. Thanks for having me on today. It's awesome to have you, as I said in the intro, I'm really excited about this because I want to learn more about it and about the way that you guys work and definitely share this opportunity with organizations that may or may not already be considering it, but definitely should, as I think will make the case today. Before we get into that, though, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Alex? What's your story? Why are you doing this?
0: Yeah, so the backstory is it's, it's pretty interesting, actually. So like you said, um, before starting this, I was a management consultant. Um, back then it was kind of the first time crypto and and blockchain sort of went mainstream for the first time. You might've seen headlines about Bitcoin hitting 20,000 for the first time in end of 2017, basically. Um, Around that time, a bit earlier, I got really, really into just trading and investing in cryptocurrency and was basically obsessed. I was like, I want to do nothing but think about crypto all the time and was thinking through basically different applications for it. Um, And by the end of 2017, started to notice people, you know, of course, making a lot of money as the market grew, and also looking for ways to donate some of that Bitcoin or other crypto back to nonprofits. Um, And we found that, you know, there were very few nonprofits accepting crypto at that time, and there wasn't a very easy way to accept crypto. Um, And my my co-founder, who was a good college friend of mine, Pat Duffy, he happened to be working at a nonprofit at the time. And I, uh, I dragged him into trading crypto, kind of kicking and screaming at first. <laughs> he was a bit of a skeptic. Um, but, you know, we started talking more and more about crypto and different applications. And in December of 2017, uh, we saw something on Reddit called the Pineapple Fund. The quick story on that is this was an anonymous donor who posted on Reddit saying, I've made a lot of money investing in Bitcoin, and now I want to give a lot of that money away and essentially said, hey, nonprofits, apply for some of this money, in this case, Bitcoin, below in the comments. Um, And they stayed totally anonymous and ended up donating about $56 million worth of Bitcoin to about 60 different nonprofits. And for many of those nonprofits, that was their first time accepting a Bitcoin donation or any type of crypto donation. Um, And we saw that there essentially wasn't a very good way of accepting crypto, there is a lot, <laughs> a lot more we could be doing. So in 2018, Pat and I essentially decided to start the giving block. And, you know, here now we're here.
1: And now you're here. Clearly, there is opportunity. Clearly, there is need. I mean, talk about you know the market driving the need. We're talking the donors want it. So it definitely behooves organizations to be able to accept it and to work with it, assuming that it's a good idea for them specifically, which I want to dive into when it is and when it isn't. But first, there's a lot of terms out there. Hopefully, most of our listeners already know what cryptocurrency is, what blockchain is, what uh, Bitcoin is. But can you give us just a 30-second primer on the subject so that we're all up to speed?
0: Yeah, 30-second primer. And I guess first to start with a couple terms to clarify. So there's, there's Bitcoin, which is the first cryptocurrency. Now there's there's thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. And the underlying technology that most of these are using are called blockchain. So Bitcoin is, is still the largest and most well-known cryptocurrency. For the sake of explaining it, we'll, we'll pretend you know we're just talking about Bitcoin. So with Bitcoin, one thing that's made it so popular and so unique is it's essentially a way of democratizing access to financial services. It's not backed by... Or controlled by any one company, country, or anything like that. It's essentially governed and you know managed by the the community and the users. Um, so anyone can use it at any time. It never closes. It never goes down. You can send money around the world 24/7, um, and it's it's incredibly you know transformative for a lot of use cases. And one of them is actually you know one of the reasons it's been in the headlines so much is because there's only ever going to be 21 million Bitcoin. So there's built-in scarcity of it. And the reason that's particularly relevant right now is because people are more worried than ever about things like inflation, um, where the cost of things are, are going up and the value of a U.S. dollar is, is worth a lot less than it used to be. Um, so people are looking at Bitcoin as sort of this digital gold or this alternative store of value. And, and that's one of the reasons it's really picked up in, in recent years.
1: Very cool. That's a great explanation. Um, There's a lot of other applications that are happening on the blockchain that I'm excited about, also that I'm hoping nonprofits are going to be able to start capitalizing on soon, but definitely cryptocurrency and Bitcoin as, as the biggest one is the most important thing that they need to be thinking about right now. So what are you seeing out there in the nonprofit sector since you guys started three years ago? What's been going on in terms of cryptocurrency and donations for nonprofits?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's probably not surprising here that it's really picked up, especially in the last uh, you know year and a half, two years. The first year was pretty tough, convincing uh, nonprofits to be accepting crypto when not that many others are doing it. But interestingly, most of our early clients were actually nonprofits who were already accepting crypto because of those Pineapple Fund donations, but they weren't happy with how they were accepting crypto. Um, so we set out with a mission of, of creating a better way for them to accept crypto. So for the first year or two, you know, we didn't have a ton of clients. Now it's taken off dramatically and we have over 700 nonprofits working with us. And we expect to be working with over a thousand nonprofits before the year is over. Um, and I think nonprofits are starting to realize what a huge untapped market this is. And it's important that nonprofits really think about this as a totally new donor demographic and not just a donation method. And and nonprofits, I think, are often surprised to hear how big this market is, too. Um, I mean, the cryptocurrency market as a whole, the market cap is more than $3 trillion now. People are usually surprised to hear that number. And there's over 200 million users around the world using crypto, and that number is about doubling every year. So it's a, a huge market, and there's a lot of opportunity. And donation volume and the number of nonprofits accepting crypto is increasing dramatically, but there's still a lot of opportunity to be an early mover and a relatively first mover
1: as a nonprofit, since not everyone is accepting crypto yet. Those are some great uh, numbers and stats there. Do you know, or maybe you know at least through your platform, about how much has been donated with cryptocurrency over the last, let's say, year?
0: Yeah. So this year alone, we'll process over 100 million in donations. That's um, amazing. Which is pretty amazing, and we're expecting to do about a billion next year, based on our projections of of new clients coming online and partners.
1: Wow. Okay. Okay. That uh, definitely should. Alert everyone out there that's mm-hmm. listening that this is this is not something that's just a fad, uh, which I know a lot of people think Bitcoin is pure speculation. Which you know there is a lot of speculation involved in that, but it's real and it's being used. And you're either taking advantage of it or you're missing out at this point. Yeah. So why would let's talk about this donor demographic that you're talking about? I talk about avatars all the time, and I think it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what is the donor avatar that is going to be donating? How are they different whether they're donating in USD or in stock or in cryptocurrency? What sets them apart?
0: Yeah. So the interesting thing about this demographic is, and and maybe it's not surprising, but they tend to be younger, right? A lot of millennials and Gen Zs were the early adopters of crypto. And over time, right, as this goes a bit more mainstream and big companies get involved, that'll, that'll normalize in terms of the The ages of people involved, but right now still pretty heavily millennial and Gen Z. They're, of course, very, very tech savvy. um, And often they have pretty much all of their investments in crypto, right? They prefer investing in crypto and holding crypto than stocks or other traditional asset types. So we're finding with these donors that they tend to be relatively wealthy. I mean, the average crypto user has an income over $100,000 a year. Um, And because of that, we're also seeing high average donation sizes. So average donation size over $10,000. So, you know, more than 10 times the industry average for a a credit card donation. Um, And beyond that, I mean, they continue to have a lot of um, interest in in supporting crypto adoption, right? Like crypto made them a lot of money and they have an interest in seeing crypto continue to succeed. So they get really excited when nonprofits start accepting crypto. They start talking about crypto. It's in in some ways also very validating for them.
1: Yeah. So by donating, they're kind of evangelizing at the same time, cryptocurrency. Yep.
0: Yep. And and we push that messaging, right? Like the more you donate crypto, the more nonprofits are going to be accepting crypto. And ultimately, that's a good thing for the entire industry.
1: So I understand that for sure uh, in terms of evangelism, but... Are there any other reasons why don't they first convert, for example, if they believe in a nonprofit, why not convert their Bitcoin or their Ethereum, whatever it might be, into U.S. dollars and then donate?
0: Yeah, so great point. And the simple answer is for tax reasons. Um, And if you're familiar how it works for donating stocks to a 501c3 with crypto, it's very, very similar. And the reason for that is because the IRS has classified crypto as property. So as a donor, when you donate your Bitcoin or other crypto to a nonprofit, the donor does not have to pay capital gains tax on the appreciated crypto. And they get a fair market value on the donation at the time of donation. So as an example, let's say someone has, uh, you know, $100,000 in Bitcoin. If they donate that one Bitcoin directly to the charity, they get a write off for the full value of that Bitcoin and the charity receives that full value of the Bitcoin versus if they sell the Bitcoin first for US dollars, they're then going to have to pay, let's say 20 to 30% tax on it, and then donate the remaining 70 to 80% of what the full value would have been. So it's really a win-win for both sides. And of course, the nonprofits aren't having to pay tax on it either, because they're, you know, tax exempt.
1: That is a great explanation, which really clarifies why Accepting Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies is smart for organizations yeah. to do, for lack of a better word, for and a smart way for savvy crypto investors to also be donating instead of converting it back and forth. But we know that although it's volatile, overall, Bitcoin specifically has shot up, I think most uh, of the cryptocurrencies, except maybe for uh, what was the one based on the Netflix series that just went to zero.
0: Um, yeah squid uh squid, games. Yeah,
1: squid yeah squid games had the squid coin um that one went to zero so that was clearly not a good idea but everything else bitcoin is now at what over sixty thousand dollars
0: yeah it's it's actually more like $68,000 even today and and that's a really good point that i i just remembered something i wanted to bring up too was uh you know a lot of these donors are are going to their financial advisors right and saying like i need to donate some to offset my taxes what should i donate And the short answer they're usually getting is whatever asset has appreciated the most for you. Donate that first. And for most people, that tends to be crypto, because in both the last five-year and 10-year period, it's the best appreciating asset class in the world. So for most people, it's the most tax-efficient way for them to give.
1: Awesome. All right. So assuming that our listeners are still with us and fascinated by this subject and are already sold, let's say to some degree on the idea of accepting cryptocurrency. What does it take for them to do it? What does it take for them to get set up to accept crypto with or without your services?
0: Yeah. So uh, we can do it kind of in parallel of what it looks like with us versus kind of trying to do it on your own. Um, you know, the, the first thing is, you know, you need a cryptocurrency wallet to be able to accept these donations. Um, getting that wallet set up could be compared to from a, from a process perspective, like opening, a, let's say, a bank account. Um, because the cryptocurrency exchanges where crypto is traded are, are regulated in a very similar way to banks. So they have to collect information about your organization. They have to know who's going to be using the account and what the purpose is, things like that. So whether you work with us or someone else, that's always going to be part of it. There's a pretty stringent compliant process to this, which is part of the onboarding. Um, If you're working with us, we also have a donation widget and a a fundraising platform where we'd help you get donations. Um, We've really worked hard to develop like the full ecosystem of what it takes to fundraise crypto beyond just accepting crypto. If you want to take crypto on your own, it's certainly possible. It's a bit technical and confusing, but you certainly can do it. But you're going to be pretty limited in finding nonprofit specific solutions, even ways of collecting donor info you know, you won't be able to automatically convert the donations necessarily or automatically tax receipt them. So it'll be it'll be essentially much more manual and time consuming if you do it on your own, but you certainly can do it on your own. And we've seen plenty of nonprofits start that way and then kind of graduate to, to working with us when they found it's, it's taken too long or, or been too confusing. Um, and, and for us, we're really trying to help nonprofits fundraise crypto, not just accept it. So we're doing campaigns. We're having one-on-one meetings with our client success team to help you market this. We always joke that we're we're trying to keep the nonprofits from writing Bitcoin as two words on Twitter, because if you do, you might scare them away. There's a lot of nuance to the marketing and the fundraising, um, even with, you know, how you talk about it and when you
1: talk about it, all that kind of stuff. So you mentioned that um, you help them learn about the donors. Is is that right? Because I know there are some laws about know your customer uh, that... People need to collect certain information, right? Everybody knows that's heard of Bitcoin. Everybody knows that, you know, hackers like to ransom in Bitcoin and that it's a great vehicle for money laundering. And obviously, nonprofits don't want any sort of connection with that whatsoever. So, how does it work in terms of when you get a donation? How much do you need to know about your customer, about your donor in this case? And how do you track that and report that?
0: Yeah. Definitely. So that's a a really common sort of misconception that comes up is they're like, oh, wait, I thought only criminals used crypto, right? Or something like that. Um, And it's it's actually kind of the opposite. I mean, Bitcoin and crypto is the most transparent form of money ever created. And there's even some interesting stories where the FBI and DEA have publicly said they wished everyone used crypto because it would be so much easier to follow the money. Um, If you remember that big Twitter incident, where a lot of celebrity accounts were, were taken over and hacked and, and people were trying to basically get money from people, they only caught the person who did that because they used Bitcoin and were able to follow the money. You know, if they dropped a duffel bag full of cash off somewhere, much, much harder to trace <laughs> than Bitcoin since every transaction is permanent and, and public. But anyway, on the, you know, the donor side of this, um, most nonprofits are applying whatever their existing you know, gift acceptance policy is. So you have the option of taking anonymous gifts if your gift acceptance policy allows for that, or you can require every donor leaves their name, email, address, or other information you might want to collect. What we're finding is though, even for the nonprofits that allow anonymous donations, the smaller gifts will often be anonymous because they don't want to fill anything out for a $50 donation, but the larger ones, let's say $10,000 and up, tend to not be anonymous because people want credit for them, right, and and often recognition. Um, So you won't see too many, um, you know, anonymous million dollar gifts, um, even if you're willing to accept them. Um, And in the background, too, we're also running scans using blockchain analytics to monitor all the incoming transactions, make sure they aren't coming from any illicit sources and things like that.
1: Are there like repositories of or databases of wallets that are known to be associated with fraudulent activity that you guys scan for? Or how does that work?
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's lists from OFAC and FinCEN. They call it like the blocked list um, that can be compared against to make sure you're not taking any donations from those.
1: Cool. So when it comes to the donations, uh, let's say we've decided to accept Crypto donations, uh, whether we're working with Giving Block or we're doing it on our own, how do we then need to report these donations in our annual filings? Is it money? Is it property? Is it some other asset class? What is it?
0: Yep. So, it, so it is property. So you'll record it very similar to stock donations if you're already taking stock. So it's going to be reported as a non-cash contribution, and you fill out the same forms
1: as you normally would for that. But then are you actually receiving, but you are actually receiving cash, um, aren't you? If you are, say, converting it back out, or is it only, when do you, I guess, uh, I'm trying to figure out, if you're accepting Bitcoin and holding it, is that one kind of filing versus if you're accepting Bitcoin and then instantly flipping it back to USD or whatever denomination your organization operates in, does that work differently?
0: There's a little bit of nuance with that difference, but in general, in both cases, even if it's automatically being converted you're still technically getting crypto for a split second before it converts. So you're technically still getting the non-cash asset before it's converted to cash. Um, the place where the nuance comes in, if you're holding crypto is I believe there's different filing requirements. If you hold an investment for more than three years, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an accountant or an attorney myself, but just from talking to clients, I've, I've heard of that nuance once it becomes three years.
1: All right, cool. So it's coming up on end of year really fast. I know Giving Tuesday, I get their newsletters and they're you know, talking every single week. Hey, counting down, counting down, counting down. Most organizations have been planning their year-end fundraising campaigns for over a month now, at least. I'm just checking my calendar. We're almost midway into November. There's not a lot of time left before they're doing their full blasts. Is it too late to get involved this year? Should they already be thinking for next year instead?
0: Um, They can certainly still get involved in this year, but definitely going to have to move pretty quickly. Um, So our end of year plan, you know, we run Crypto Giving Tuesday, and that starts on Giving Tuesday the same day on the 30th. And we run that in parallel. And then we do a month long campaign in December, which we call bag season. Uh, We've got different initiatives throughout that month long campaign. For example, this year, for the first time, we're doing NF Tuesday, which is basically Giving Tuesday, but for NFT related philanthropy, which has been amazing. Um, we've seen a huge boom in that, many multi-million dollar donations coming out of that. Um, and another new thing we have this year too is our crypto giving pledge, which is our spin on the traditional giving pledge that Gates and Buffett started, but for high net worth individuals in the crypto community. Um, we've got charity concerts, we've got all stuff, all sorts of stuff going on throughout December. So even if you aren't set up for the 30th of November, there's plenty to, to catch for the whole month of December. And we expect to raise more in December than the rest of the year combined. So even if you only catch a week or two in December, um, it's still definitely worth your time because this isn't going away. And then you'll be set up for all of next
1: year too. How long does it take to get fully set up and started with you guys?
0: Yeah, usually about a week on average.
1: Okay. So definitely still some time there. And then um, you mentioned Giving Tuesday and your own spin on Giving Tuesday. They're an amazing organization. I love them. And They provide all kinds of marketing collateral, if you will, copy for your newsletters, your social media. Do you guys do all that kind of fun stuff too?
0: Yeah, we do. We send all of our clients what we call a marketing toolkit, which is going to be this long document of like when and how to to talk about this and and post on social media, put stuff in your newsletter. It's going to say, all right, on the 30th, you post this. On the 5th of December, you know, we recommend posting something along the lines of this. And a lot of it can be copy and pasted or slightly tweaked to
1: incorporate your mission, things like that. Cool. You mentioned NFTs too. So obviously those are hot right now in terms of buzz, <laughs> if, if nothing else. Um, a lot of art is going in the direction of NFT, uh, as well as other products and projects as well. So what? how does it work to, are you accepting NFTs on someone's behalf? Or what is it that you guys are doing with NFT Tuesday?
0: Yeah. So with NF Tuesday, um, what we're generally encouraging creators or, or artists or NFT platforms to do is to donate a portion of their NFT sale proceeds to charities that, that they care about. Um, because one thing that a lot of people don't realize is when you sell an NFT, you're actually getting cryptocurrency. So now those creators get a lot of cryptocurrency. And they want to be able to donate some of that crypto for the same tax benefits that we talked about earlier, Um, because when they're selling their NFTs, they're creating huge taxable gains when they sell the NFT and donating some of that crypto directly afterwards is a great way for them to reduce some of that that tax burden. Um, So we're seeing huge, huge demand for that. And I mean, millions of dollars a month being donated from from NFT creators.
1: So you guys are doing a lot of the work in terms of marketing this. You're already out there talking to them and and trying to create these um, campaigns really on behalf of nonprofits and the nonprofit world as a whole, which is pretty cool. I'm sure you're not just doing this out of the goodness of your heart. How does it work? Uh, Although obviously you are to to some degree because you wouldn't be working with nonprofits. Um, How does it work in terms of your donation platform and fees? I know most... CRMs and and donation management systems take either a percentage or have uh, setup fees and annual fees. How do you guys work?
0: Yeah. So we were very intentional in keeping this a familiar model. (laughs) Uh, So very standardized in the sense of it's just like any other fundraising platform. We have a handful of different packages you can choose from. Um, They start at $2,500 a year and they go up from there basically depending on how much hands-on support you want from us and how much customization you want in building a crypto fundraising program. So 2,500 will get you set up. You'll still get support. You'll still get help from our client success team fundraising crypto. But some, like American Cancer Society, some of the larger groups, they want to create a a crypto research fund and really go all out on this and and market it a ton. So some of it also depends on how much the nonprofit wants to do more passively or proactively when it comes to talking about and fundraising crypto. Um, And then there's also a a transaction fee component to it as well, which is very similar to to what you'd be paying on other fundraising platforms.
1: So like a Stripe or a PayPal kind of fee? Interesting. All right. Very cool. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you think organizations should know if they're considering starting up with crypto donations?
0: I mean, the main thing is, you know, um, the sooner you get started, the more you're going to benefit. Um, You know, don't put this off for too long because I can guarantee you crypto is not going away. Um, The rate of growth is unbelievable. And and this is going to become, you know, this isn't going to become maybe 20 percent of your budget every year right away. But over time, it's going to be a bigger and bigger part of, of donations in general. And there certainly is a big advantage of being one of the early movers because these donors are going to remember who these early adopters were. Right now is a time to start building the relationships with these donors for their entire life. And right now, you're only competing with about 700 other nonprofits instead of 1.5 million nonprofits that take credit card donations. Um, so, huge opportunity to to kind of get some market share, in a sense.
1: I love that you said it's about building relationships early on, and it is absolutely critical. And I'm glad that earlier you also said that most donors do choose to give their information, even if it's not required by the nonprofit because they want that recognition, but you also want to develop a relationship with them. Once you have their information, you want to obviously engage with them over time, whether it's just thanking them or showing what the impact of their work is, which hopefully you're doing as, as well. Their donations, I should say building that relationship is critical and, getting a reputation for an organization that accepts cryptocurrency, that is going to then engage with the donors around that, that maybe is forward thinking in general, because like you said, very small percentage of the entire nonprofit landscape is accepting cryptocurrency. Obviously, the ones that are appear to be more tech savvy, more uh, forward thinking. And so they'll attract that kind of avatar as well. I think that's absolutely critical. I love that you said that. So, if um, nonprofits want to get started, are there any tools or resources that you recommend that they look into?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the easiest way is just to start learning a bit about cryptocurrency. Um, you know, you can even sign up for for our newsletter on our website. We do a weekly newsletter that talks about all things you should know, kind of at the intersection of nonprofits and crypto. Relevant news, blogs, events, all sorts of stuff. Otherwise, you know, if you look up, you know, uh, like CoinDesk. For example, is a more general crypto media outlet. You could read about crypto. They've got a daily newsletter too. I would just start thinking about crypto. Start thinking about how you can involve it uh, for your organization. And ultimately, you know, longer term, this just becomes another tool for you to fundraise, right? And this is something you want to weave in to your existing fundraising strategies and plans. This is by no means meant to be like a takeover and, and change everything, right? This is in parallel of what you're already doing. It's just another tool of, of part of your Your greater plan.
1: And who knows, maybe one day it will take over everything. And then you definitely want to be on board when when that happens.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So if people are interested in uh, the Giving Block specifically, what should they do? What's your call to action for our heroes at home?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can go to our website at thegivingblock.com, sign up for our newsletter, follow us across the different social media accounts. And if you really want to learn more and, and get started pretty quickly, you can also book a demo on our website. And someone from our team will reach out, spend 30 minutes with you, run you through all the details of how it works and how you can get started. Um, And if, you know, you move pretty quickly, you can probably still make a Crypto Giving Tuesday or at least a couple weeks of the December campaign.
1: Awesome. So um, as always, we're going to include all of these links and all of these um, resources that Alex just mentioned in our show notes. We are going to link back to Uh, the giving block, of course, as well, directly to the book, a demo. And we are happy to answer any questions here at dot org strategy. But Alex is the man when it comes to uh, cryptocurrency donations and accepting those on your uh, for your organization. Actually, I meant to ask because you and I talked about it earlier before we jump off. I am, of course, big on websites and interactive websites in general and things working as smoothly and frictionless as possible. Is there a way to incorporate the giving block essentially on a website?
0: Yep, there is. And and when you sign up with us, there's kind of two different points of entry. You'll have a profile and a donation widget on, on our website. But then we also give you a donation widget, which can be really easily embedded onto your own fundraising pages.
1: Cool. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed learning about cryptocurrency and about accepting it, what the ramifications and advantages are for nonprofits. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. And everybody at home, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a like and a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform so that we can reach more nonprofit professionals like you, help them create more heroes for their cause. See you next week. Awesome.
0: Thank you all for watching and listening to the Nonprofit Hero Factory. We hope this episode has given you some ideas and strategies for creating more heroes for your cause and a better world for all of us. Please be sure to subscribe to this show
1: on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And let us know what you think by leaving a review.